2: and welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name's David Edgar, I'm your host as always and I'm joined this week by two of the stalwart sons of Heart and Hand. First of all, the wonderful Mr. Ian Hogg. Pleasure to be back on, David. Thanks for having me. And the tremendous Mr. Cameron Bell. David, hope you're well, my friend. Now, before we get into our team and there's going to be some frothing going on, folks, I shouldn't wonder about that, so be aware. But before we get into it, Friday night, the accounts dropped. Uh, the account's dropped on Friday night The headline figure, a 15.9 million loss Which is, is obviously something that, that your eyes are automatically drawn to Now, we, when it comes to our finances What we do here at Heart and Hand over on our Patreon site Is we have our financial guy Um, He's not made up, he's not, you know He, he does exist, he's called Andy McGowan uh, Who knows what he's talking about And we had Andy on today, our daily update show For a full breakdown of the accounts So if you want to hear from someone who knows what he's talking about about it, then I will put the the show's free, Uh, you don't need to be a subscriber to listen to it, but I'll put the description, uh, in the show's description today, I'll put the link to the show if you just click that and you'll be able to get all of that there Andy we spent about 25 minutes going through everything in detail so rather than have us uh, amateur rather kind of fumbling our way through it then listen to somebody who knows what he's talking about and that leaves us free of course gents to talk about the football Aberdeen at Ibrox now Hoggy we're honest on here, I think, or at least we try to be, and it was a weakened Aberdeen side between injuries and, and COVID, but that's hardly our fault, and Rangers went out and I thought treated them the way that you should treat uh, a side in, the, in those circumstances by just going for the jugular.
3: As you know, David, I, I, I got a real bugbear with Rangers over the past. In, in fact, over the past, I don't know, 20 years, that we treat the likes of Aberdeen, that put Audrey and Ibrooks as if we're playing Real Madrid than Manchester United. Well, maybe not Manchester United just now. Um, but we treat them like Real Madrid. We show them far, far too much respect. And I wanted us to go out with real in- attacking intent, ultimately wipe the floor with them. Now, we I got everything that I wanted, just about. We, we kind of chucked it at four. But um, when I saw the line-up, I'm thinking, right, Davis has been rested. That's good. We've got an attack in midfield. We've got players that can rumble them up because they're going to have three monsters at the back. And we've got players that can move them around. And it all just harked back to the, the, the game against Hamilton. And I hope that's how we were going to to uh, to really go after them yesterday. Turns out we did. Um, so hopefully we can start to learn those lessons that we don't have to be treating these teams like Real Madrid's and AC Milan's and all the rest of it. They are Aberdeen. They are one of the better sides in the league. They're not brilliant. And you're right, especially yesterday. They they, they had players out. They had their central midfield pairing missing. Ferguson out with COVID and McCrory out because he's on loan. Incidentally, magnificent bit of business by us. Um, and yeah, I, I turns out I got most of the things I wanted yesterday.
2: Cami, the the lineup that the manager has been going for this season has been more attacking, perhaps, than it's been in the past. In terms of he, he, he's not wedded to the, the the kind of two holding midfielders. There are games that they're needed and and they've played, and that's great. We've got that option. But uh, you saw again yesterday Scott Arfield playing uh, in the midfield, Joe Ebo playing in the midfield, and they were up against a kind of an experienced and, and rather average Aberdeen midfield, and they 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 took command of it right from the start. Uh, to be honest, Aberdeen's only real threat came from Hedges, uh, the their fullback breaking forward as he did to good effect. To be fair, in that in the first half especially, but it's a, a signal of intent at Rangers that they're saying. Whether or not it's trust in the defence has gone up, I don't know. Whether or not it's trust in our ability to hold the ball and say, well, you're not going to face as much in terms of the way of attacking. And there will be games. You know, we saw it at Rugby Park. uh, I dare say we, we saw it at Parkhead, and I dare say we'll see it again in future games. But even at Parkhead, we didn't have... We would have expected in that game, I think, Kamara, Davis, Jack. And it wasn't. It was two of them. And there just seems to be a little bit more confidence in our ability to go on and dominate sides without maybe needing to to be cautious or overly cautious in that area of the field?
0: I think it's, I mean, you pull a, a lever on a couple of those uh, simultaneously, David. What you're looking at is we have a far more fluid midfield, which for me, the main purpose of is to be able to penetrate as far up the park as possible and to try and play it within the opponent's first third and that most important thing is just to be able to try and maintain that level of attack and that intensity, it allows the midfield to continue to press and kind of hunt in packs our main focus is to recover the ball as quickly as we've lost it um, it's kind of like the old Barcelona you know the three second rule uh, you have to be able to try and get the ball back as quickly as you possibly can to be able to instigate an attack, whether that comes down the middle from a number of different movement um instances which are, are completely fluid or whether or not it comes down the flanks right at Barris or Tavernier, You're right, the defence has now probably for me moved a good solid 10 yards up the park. And the amount the you know the amount of high balls that we are forcing opposition into into playing then gets mopped up by usually Conor Goldson or whoever happens to be playing alongside him. And so for that it's allowing the ball to immediately go straight back towards the opponents. And then at that point, we are then back on the attack again. So it it feels as if the team, the whole squad has shifted up the park by a good 15 to 20 yards. And we're not interested in doing any kind of form of business around about the halfway line or even more so in our own half. It's all towards the the opposition having to be able to try and get us away from them, which just puts the foot on the throat from the the get-go.
2: Cammy touches on a really good point, Ian, which is Rangers' ability to recover the ball very quickly when whenever we lose it. When a move breaks down, it's noticeable how often it's it's almost immediately retrieved and started up again, and that, of course, leads to constant pressure on the opposition, and, and you're much more likely to, to force an error, force a mistake, pull somebody out of position, et cetera, et cetera. But the thing about pressing is, you know, to me as a layman, I'll sit and watch a side and say, well, why don't they just go and press? You know, why why don't you? And at at times it's a bit more complicated than that because a bad press is is disastrous. If if somebody goes and somebody else doesn't at the right moment, then there's a great big space that, that sides will find and will get through. And that's probably the most impressive thing about this Rangers team to me in terms of its pressing game is that, you can tell that it's a well-coached side. And no matter who comes into the team, they all know what their responsibility is. Not only when we have the ball, we've got creative players, but when we don't.
3: Yeah, the, I mean, there, there is a negative to it, David. And we saw that a couple of times in the first half yesterday, whereby a bad press or maybe only a couple, two out of three people, players pressing. and And it left a bit of space and they got in a couple of times. You know, they got a couple of shots away and goals, easily dealt with by McGregor. But that was just that almost um, split-second switching off. And we saw, the, we saw the outcome. Better teams would have punished that yesterday. But when we're on it, and by and large, we, we have been on it and we were on it yesterday, um, we're hunting in packs. And it's not just, say, the two or the three in the pack that's hunting. It's those around them. They're really squeezing up against the opponents, and making the likes of Aberdeen yesterday play in very small spaces. Invariably, they lose the ball, or invariably, it was a very Derek McInnes punt up the park. Um, We get the ball, recover it. And the key word from yesterday, I, I, I just think yesterday for an hour, it was relentless. We suffocated Aberdeen, we got four goals, then we took the foot off the gas and basically went right, no injuries at all, but it was just simply relentless all the time, and and they just couldn't cope.
2: No, they could, and this is another thing, Cammy, about the way that Rangers play football at the moment is the passings, the passing has a point. We we all know that over the last couple of seasons, there's been times where we're just passing in front of a settled defence, and they know hold my position. I know what I need to do. It's not like that. Now, Rangers, when they're moving the ball about, it's constantly probing, it's constantly saying to the opposition, any weak spot, any of you switch off for a second. And that's tiring, both physically, because they do a lot of chasing of the ball, the opposition, but also mentally. And again, I think that that's something that's improved dramatically this season.
0: Yeah, the Ranger Patterson, I think, from from a number of players and I will give a special uh, doff of the cap to, to Connor Goldson here, who seems to have just found a, you know, I don't know if him and Stephen Davis are staying back after training and uh, Dave was helping him out with that, but Connor Goldson's passing is absolutely phenomenal at times. Uh, but yeah, you're absolutely right. It's about being able to try and find uh, either a man who's already in space or space that that man can, can run on to, to be able to try and find that as a ball. And um, there's you mix that range of, you know, 30, 40 yards high ball passing, David, to really intricate, really delicate one twos that we're about to come onto when you see the breakdown of goals and how we can then position and maneuver ourselves into the box. Uh and and as you say, that range of passing, whether or not it's over five or ten yards or forty-fifty. You know, it it really unlocks defences so simply. But it's not simple, and I don't want to do a discredit to the team because it's something that clearly has been worked on. But it just looks incredibly easy when you see them being able to try and do it. But it requires a a sense of understanding that can only come via a settled team that will see runs happen, um, opportunities present themselves, and then, as I say, being able to do that. When you start to intertwine that with pinpoint accurate crossing like you'll get from Borna Barisic and James Tavernier uh, you know, as we're already seeing, defences cannot cope with it, they just simply do not have an answer
2: Ian, uh, I'd like to pick out a couple of the players from yesterday and I think one who is increasingly influential and is, is starting to to garner the reviews that his performances deserve, while excitingly he feels he still has has a bit more to go um, before he's at his best and that's Kamar Roof I mentioned this yesterday uh sometimes you see a player arrive in Scotland and you just know quickly that yeah you're you you're from a higher level you know you you you've played at a higher level than this, and you look like a guy who is at the top of of his game up here, and that's Kamar his movement is incredible it's he, he pops up exactly where he should be all the time. And he plays in little spaces that the opposition don't know who's to mark him. He moves so quickly anyway that you know, the, the, the confusion that he sows and on top of all of that, he can finish.
3: Yeah, um, just, just before I talk about Roof, just pick it up on a wee point around the passing. Um, the, I actually thought the passing yesterday in the first 20 minutes was a bit lax. And there's, there's me being hypercritical. But again, we went through a spell of it being lax, and we still come out of the ball just about every single time. On on Kumar Roof, it, I must admit, he, when he when he started off, he's clearly he wasn't fit and he was getting five, ten-minute cameos. I was wondering where he was going to play, and now I realise how he fits into the side. We've, we're going to have a front three where it's just, you know, Kent will be, I think the the, the ever present. I think Kamar Roof is going to be an ever ever present. Then it's going to be one of an Itin or Morelos or you know a bit more width and, and, and pace. But they all just interchange all the time. And that suits Kamar Roof down to the ground. If Morelos comes short, it opens up a space it opens up a bit of space in behind him. Roofs all naturally just going in there. We saw with the second goal yesterday that we dragged them about a little bit. Goldson pa- Goldson's pass was was superb. We dink over the top, but Roof's just drifted in behind his his defender. First touch is brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And then he bar- but he's he's then still got a couple of guys to get by. He barrels by the first guy, um, gets his shot away. You saw that the whole game. He's just drifting into those wee spaces. He's aggressive, he's good in the tackle, he wants to nip, nip the defenders. He reminds me of Stephen Naismith, when Naismith was in the absolute top of his game for Rangers. I think Kamar Roof's going to turn into that player for us, and frankly, just going to be a, a higher class of quality.
2: Some chat about Alfredo Morelos, Cami from uh, online on fans, and, and some may be thinking that he's he's, he's not con- uh, contributing as much this season as he has previously. What are your thoughts on that? Um, personally, I, I,
0: I you've got to look at where we're at from a, from a goal return from him. Um, I mean, I was doing a kind of bit of digging just purely because of the fact that I was interested, because I was just thinking back to myself. There's, there's a yin and yang here in terms of the Alfredo Morelos that plays in Europe versus Alfredo Morelos that's at home now. I'll, I'll preface this, David, by saying that I think Alfredo Morelos is doing a very different role and a very productive role in terms of what he's doing within a team. However, if we are talking about price tags and if we're talking about potential sell-ons, if that starts to breathe its head because we're, we're a month shy of the January window opening and back up, then to my mind, he's not contributing enough in terms of goals. So the last time he scored domestically was in the the draw at Easter Road. He has missed some games as a result. I didn't play against Hamlin He's obviously in that in that uh, goal fest that happened there. Um, I think you saw his reaction as he came off yesterday. He was pissed off at not scoring. I think he is getting pissed off at not scoring. I'm glad that he's doing other things. So I don't think he's a waste of a jersey. I certainly don't think that whatsoever. But I also think he has to contribute with goals. And I think he has to be able to come into it. Now we are incredibly fortunate that James Tavernier has gone penalties. That Kamar Ruth is is contributing with goals. Scott Arfield is contributing with goals. Ryan Kent is now back amongst the goals. Th- these things are all great, but these players, this is this is always going to be periodic. So these players will start to go through a bit of a dip. And I don't think any of the three of us right now would turn around and say, "Right, well, Alfie, if his life depended on it, is is going to score next week if that's going to have to happen because." I just feel as if that's missing from his game at the moment. And I would like to see him back amongst the goals because, again, like you say, it's it's a big part of his game. He's not the same player that we're talking about from 12 months ago. And I mean that from the role he's asked to play and his maturity in terms of how much he's grown up. There was times I was saying to you boys yesterday, it feels like he was, a, he was in midfield a little bit too much more. But it's because he's dropping back and getting the ball. And again, because of that movement we have in the front three, that will create opportunities for Kent and Ruth, both of whom took example... Uh, uh, you know, they, they took advantage of those those opportunities. Alfie needs goals, and I would I need to get him back amongst the goals, David. I think it's really, really important for us. Uh, and I think there's a step there that he's missing to be able to try and do that. Um, and I just want him back in. If he, if he starts a goal scoring route in January, fantastic. But we also have to look at it that he needs to take his European form and bring it into to what he's doing domestically. Because I don't think, and please you boys can correct me if you feel that I'm, I'm totally off track here. I don't think that we are setting up completely differently in Europe to how we are at home. So the question has to be asked is, why can he score in Europe and not score domestically?
2: I do disagree. Um, and I, I shall explain for why. The First of all, he's been asked to do a different role in the team. Rangers previously were, were a machine entirely set up to feed him. Um, whether it be you know the long balls into the channels, playing right through him. Everything went through him. So understandably he's going to get more opportunity um that 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 system was built for him and it it worked to a degree but when it didn't work we were screwed we had nothing else and when he was off form we were screwed we had nothing else and, and teams knew that so we were overly reliant on him he's now asked to do a different job which allows other people to contribute you said there that other people are scoring but it's periodic I don't think it should be the, the, the rest of those guys should be contributing Kent should be contributing regularly, Ruth should be contributing regularly, Hadji if he's playing should be scoring goals, Arfield etc etc so no I, I do think that he's got, you should be getting goals from your defenders via set pieces or whatever, which we are I'm not criticising, I'm just saying that it's a regular part of it. Rangers' problem for the large part of the last two seasons was if Alfie or if Jermaine De was in didn't score. Who was going to answer more often? Uh, sadly, than the not was nobody. And Rangers have looked to address that. Rangers now are a system rather than an individual team. They, we're a team of components, and Alfie plays a part on that. Secondly, in terms of things like yeah, I mean, if he if, if he's getting chances and fluffing them, then that's a different thing. But he's not been getting many chances domestically at the moment because of the way that we're playing. I think that. This is quite common now in football. You just need to look at Firmino at Liverpool, and people will look and say, "Well, he doesn't. He doesn't score enough goals. He's one and three. And I, yeah, look at what the side's achieving with him in it. That's why he's there. Uh, that's the part he plays. I think that judging strikers purely by their goal tally these days is a little bit reductive it's almost like the I like my defenders to defend it's a nice idea but I think it's a little antiquated and secondly in terms of fee I don't believe that a club um, get put off by the fact that he's had four bad weeks here and there I think that clubs when they're making a purchase at that level look at the overall track record of the player which has worked both ways for Alfie because I think they've looked at the discipline thing in the past and went hmm and the fact that he has gone through periods in a season where he's completely lost form. So, uh, for me, it doesn't matter um, at the moment. Yeah, it'd be great if he was banging them in left, right and centre. There will come a point, I'm sure he is. But I think that given the role he's been asked to perform at the moment, I'm quite comfortable with what we're getting from him. Ian, final word to you. Um, I think Alfredo Morelos, I actually
3: think he played quite well yesterday. Um, he, he's drop, he, He's clearly been asked to drop deep, to help out, to rotate around with Ken and Roof. Um, so that that's the role. The role has fundamentally changed. Um And I must admit, part of the time I get in the mindset, David, whereby I'm thinking um I'm still in that mindset of being reliant on him. And then you've got to realise that actually we're not, that we do have that spread of goals. The flip side, however, is we We can't go on about we need to spread a goal, a goals across the team and then give Alfredo Morelos a pass for not getting chances and no scoring. so I think that there, there's a he's completely different in the way that he's playing. I think he's doing it very well, I think it's grown up, I think it's mature. there's a point in the second half whereby there was one dropping out the sky, and last seasons Alfredo Morelos would have swiped at it and probably stuck it in Rose Z. and we would have all bemoaned why didn't you take a touch. His first touch and it was with uh, Scott Arfield for a free shot and goal. That's that's a mature Morelos. But I do think a couple of goals would just give him that wee bit of confidence back. Because he was clearly pissed off in the huff when he came when he came off.
2: And incidentally, you know, I noticed that, that some of the, the media tried to make a thing of that. That's who he is. And I never, ever get annoyed at a footballer who... Is knocked at being taken off because he thought he had a chance for a striker for a chance to score a goal. It's up their way, strikers that want to hit corners for me. No real striker should ever want to hit a corner. You should want to be in the box to get on the end of it. So, I, I, I have no problem with that at all. Uh, another guy just before we move on to to kind of where this result leaves is that I just think we should mention is is Taver- is James Tavernier because I in a in a day Cami that there were a, a good few people that put in impressive performances. He was my man of the match. And he's just playing at a huge level, not only in terms of his uh, contributions, which are obviously ridiculous at the moment in terms of goals and and assists. And I mean, even yesterday, Ryan Kent should have put away the one that Tav set him up with. Um, But also his drive and his leadership and his leading by example, if you like. I mean, yeah,
0: it's huge. But uh, I think that that's the tab that we wanted to be able to to see because we know that he's capable of doing it. And there was a period towards the second half of last season where he, he really just started to beat himself up constantly. Um, his performances now for me make and break how we look to be able to try and set up. And what I think that we've now seen is that even if it doesn't start for him well, that he'll remain resilient to be able to then continue to try and deliver quality into the box, to drive the team forward, to continue to be able to try and do that. There was actually a point um, yesterday where I was, I was cheering out loud for him because I don't know if you guys will remember it, but Tav was able to... to there was a cross that came in, and I think, I think it was potentially Balogran got a touch in it, but the Aberdeen player was coming towards the back post, and Tav not only was between him and the goal, but cleared that away as well. And I think that from the faults that we've maybe said to him from a defensive perspective... Uh, you know, he's totally across a lot of that. He's contributing towards a clean sheets record. He's contributing towards all of that as well. But going forward, uh, I mean, as I say, his, his range of passing is just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, the vision that he's got to be able to try and see where some of those those opportunities present themselves is fantastic. Um, and what's great for him is, again, like I say, we can talk about the penalties, and yes, that's all context. But he just, you know, his, his penalties look, you know, unstoppable at times. It's, it's. I mean, they are fantastic, fantastic penalties. So it gives them a solid platform to continue to be able to try and build on. And yeah, I, you know when we were, we were watching it yesterday, and I was speaking to Ian after the game, and we were talking about man of the match and stuff as well. You would you would struggle. You could make a case for three or four of them. Yeah. But Tav, that's happening so consistently with Tav at the moment. Um, he's just, I think he's been playing the best football of his career. Without, but far and away the best football of his career at
2: the moment. Ian, without you know getting too excited, yeah, trying very hard, and I'm sure i'm not the only rangers fan in that situation at the moment this weekend to me again felt different to what we've experienced in previous seasons and, and the reason i say that is obviously a boost for us whenever celtic dropped points but this was a match we looked at and thought yeah I fancy them to drop points there and they did and that wasn't something that had been happening in the last few years i go back to when we beat them in the old firm match um, and we beat them th- so straightforwardly, so thoroughly, and it followed everyone's expectations. And I think that freaked them out a little bit. They then had three tough away games in the league. And we all said, you know, oh, we hope they drop something here, you know, because these are obviously the most likely matches they are to do that. Now, they dropped points in two of those matches. And I can't help but feel that previous years they'd have won all three And that would have just hit the ball right back into our court. And they haven't been able to do that on this occasion. Now, this is not to say that Celtic will not improve. Um, They've got good players. I suspect they will improve. But even so, this is different. This is not something they've had to cope with. They've had that ability to just put the foot down after a setback and get moving again. And they weren't able to do that this time.
3: So first and foremost, Dermot Desmond and Peter Lowell, we know that you listen to the pod. Um I would urge you not to show anti Irish, anti Catholic bigotry. Um and I would urge you to keep a hold of Neil Lennon, candlelight vigil and all that, David. Um you're right. Previous seasons it would have been us that was maybe dropping the daft points and Celtic being relentless. This season, it's different. This season, it feels different. So far, anyway. We're only 15 games in. still so a long way to go. But it does feel different that even when Celtic are getting points, getting wins, they're scrapping it. And they're very narrow wins. They got a point on Saturday and they fought back and, you know... It, if, if if that's us, David, maybe last season, season before, we're probably talking outwardly about, well, you know, that's a great comeback and that, that's the type of games that if you lose, you know, you lose the championship and so on. We know what happened. They they, they managed to get back. They managed to get a point. And that's great. Celtic fans aren't stupid with what they're watching. They know that they've regressed badly. Um, but the honest was still on us. We've got to go out and grab the mantle and get the job done. And even when they've dropped points previously, we would then almost look like, you know, the the the, the rabbits in the headlights. That just wasn't the case. They dropped points. I, I I get the impression their fans felt that they would drop points, and they did, you know, it should have been three that they dropped. We still got to go out. We still got. We still got to get the benefit from that, and we did right from the off. Right from the off yesterday, there is no question who's winning that game. That's the difference. We, we're we're going out and we're super confident. We know that we're going to win. It's you know it's Walter Ibrooks type stuff, whereas they're now going out and they know that every single game is becoming a scrap for them.
0: I think, your, I think your key point to this is if you took someone who has no idea about British or Scottish football, literally, you know, a man off the street who has no interest in football whatsoever. Can and you showed ears? them both. <laughs> yeah. And he started a podcast no one listened to. Um, what you could do is you could say to them, tell me, looking at these two teams, looking at these two games over Saturday and Sunday, tell me which of these two teams do you believe is chasing its 10th title in a row and is also looking for... Um, claiming it's 12th out of 12 consecutive trophies. I, I Look at that. And then I, I can guarantee you the man in the street picks us. That's the difference. And what's now happening is the players don't believe in him. It's it's, it's 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 collapsing because the players don't believe in him. They're not happy in terms of the system. They're scraping draws. And listen, speaking to... Celtic fans are at work and whatever else have you, a lot of them were praying that they didn't get a point yesterday because they hoped that the defeat would mean that the board would have to take action and sack them. That's generally where they are at the moment. And I don't want to continue talking about them because it's not why we're here. But the simple fact is they had to regress in order for us to be able to catch them. And they are doing what certainly from the outside in looks like everything they possibly can to sabotage it. And um, and it's great. We need to continue to allow them to make mistakes as much as we possibly can.
2: I think it's it's about forcing mistakes. It's it, it, it's a different type of psychology. And look, we may well be over, able to overcome that. That that remains to be seen. But that is the difference. If you don't pose different challenges, then you can't expect a different result. We we haven't been able to put them into awkward situations in the past because we've not done our own job. And again, if we drop off, then we'll be back in the same spot and then their experience at getting over the line will kick in. Whereas I think it's important for our side to to do that to make sure that we take care of our own business uh, and, and therefore you can reap the benefits of, if you like, the psychological edge of a title race, something that Rangers have not been able to do. I think what's important for me, Ian, is Rangers need to post a potential title winning points tally. Because if we don't do that, then we've no right to expect to be in a title race. You've got to say we're a side that's capable of getting 90 points. And if we do that, can you beat it? And maybe they can. But if they know that we're a side who can't get near that, then they can relax, play their football, play their way back into form. And little fissures that quite clearly exist at Parkhead don't expand because you you can work on them. Instead... We're maybe putting them in a position where it makes things, it makes things pop out, and I wonder if that's maybe the most impressive thing about this Rangers side at the moment—that its focus is entirely on what we do. And again, that feels slightly different to me. The last few years, I think that Rangers squads have had one eye on Celtic, whereas this year, I think it's the other way around. Yeah, I'd,
3: and you take the lights of yesterday. Our our sole focus was three points, get some goals worry about us, not worry about Aberdeen. It comes all the way back around to the very first question. Not worry about Aberdeen, not treat them with really any semblance of respect. And if we do that, we will by default continue to heap the pressure on. And we've, we've always said David, I want arrangers that can put pressure on our, our rivals. Um, because I don't think they will be able to react in a particularly good way. And here we are. All Rangers need to do, and I say all because it's hard, all we need to do is keep on winning. Throughout the course of December, we've got League Cup duty next weekend. We've got Benfica on Thursday. We've got Standard Leisure at Ibrox a week on Thursday. We then go into a run of six uh, league games with like pausing away as well. But six league games in December, four of them away from home at Ross County, Dundee United, St. Johnston, St. Mirren. December's going to be huge for us. Um just now feels great. And you know, it's I'm trying to hold in the gloating and all the rest of it. But you know, nothing's ever won in November would be the would be the cliche, David. And it's it's true. Um December is going to be absolutely huge for us. And if we keep on like we have been the past few games um, I'm hoping we're going to be in a very, very tidy position given that they've also got the cup final to play.
2: I think, you know, the, the, the weirdness of this season is certainly affecting them more than it's affecting us, Cammy, which is a testament, I think, to the professionalism that, that Stephen Gerrard and his management team have, have brought to the squad. And, yeah, Ian's right, there's there's a lot to look forward to, but it is focus on each game at a time. We've We've... You know, put Aberdeen away quite straightforwardly. We put Hamilton away in the last game before the break quite straightforwardly. And now Europe back up. But an opportunity on Thursday night to pretty much essentially qualify. It's a tough one. It's, you know, our toughest home match by some distance against Benfica. We're boosted slightly by the news that that their kind of star striker Darwin won't travel due to um, he's isolating at the moment and he looked a very special player in that match a couple of weeks ago. But there's absolutely no reason for Rangers not to feel, you know, yeah, we've got to respect the opposition, but we're certainly capable of beating them.
0: That's exactly what I would say to them. I would have, I would say to them, you should have taken points off them in Lisbon. Um, and all three points, I should say. Um, you were in the driving seat with that, and you capitulated. And it, it's so alien to us now as a concept to do that, that it should feel unnatural. It does feel unnatural. Therefore, go and get your revenge and go and take the points that you should have got across there. And as greatly, as you say, qualify for the next round. Now, I'm not suggesting for a minute that, you know, that's incredibly simplistic and it'll be certainly far harder than that. But, you know, we've said before, David, we're a European team now and we've proven it on numerous occasions. Um, We have no one to fear and we've made a tremendous start to, to the Europa League. So much so that I think, you know by and large a major, a major crisis then you know we're, we're fairly safe but at the same point this is the kind of standard that you want to play against because there's been times like this where when we've come up against major teams we have thought less of ourselves than we should have and improving more to ourselves by actually playing the 90 minutes and we've taken some huge scalps out the back of that Bedfica are a world class team who, are, who should belong in the Champions League and they have uh, the money to, to, to certainly um, implement that but We've got the opportunity now to get there and win a game that we should have won a couple of weeks ago, um, and again, like you say, put ourselves into a, a, a very, very comfortable spot for hopefully getting a favourable draw into the next stages.
2: Ian, what are the keys in a match like this against Benfica? What are the key things Rangers need to do?
3: Don't switch off, or do well rather. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't don't switch off first and foremost. Um, we we got a knockback. back when we're three one up across there and get back to three three. What I've been really impressed with, David, is how we've handled that. Last season, the season before, if we got a bit of a knockback in Europe, we are always worried about the following weekend. Well there we've we've had that we set back and and against Benfica having been three one up and then scored twelve goals across the two two next league games. On Thursday night, I think Benfica over there proved that if we switch off, they will score. And we switched off three times and they got three goals. That's a, there, there's there's simple formula. Um, so we cannot switch off. We need to stay structured. We can't go hunting and packs too much because they are a very, very class side, a really classy passing side. Um, and we also cannot forget that we're a good side, that we went over there and for an hour, we bossed it until we switched off and we gave away daft goals. We bossed it over there for an hour and we bossed them individually for an hour. Every one of our players won in their battles. That's what we we need to replicate that again on Thursday night. You know, at it, empty the tank. We know that we've got Falkirk next weekend. Um, with the best one in the world to Falkirk, I'm kind of, I'm looking at that as a gimme. That is massive disrespect. I know, um, but we aren't empty the tank against them, against Benfica. And everyone's. We're, we're going to have to have about eight, nine players bang on it, David, uh, yeah. because I suspect Benfica will, will be smarting a little from us bossing over there for an hour. I think they'll come and give it a go, especially with the one or two players that they've got out.
2: Cami, is in. Mentioned there, is it an advantage that the manager can see because we've got this ridiculous Everybody does, I'm not complaining. Everyone in football has got this ridiculous schedule coming up over the next few months. But is it a case that he can see on Thursday night, empty it because we can make changes at the weekend?
0: Absolutely. And I think that he can do that because he's also supported by how well those who have stepped into the squads, you know, have, um, have, have contributed. And I think he's got a real safety in that. So, for example, I would not be playing... Borna Barisic against Falkirk because I'm perfectly happy that Calvin Bass would be able to come in there. Um, he'll probably go with Hollander again on Thursday night, which means Balogun comes in and on, on um, Sunday. So, uh, you know, you've got various midfield options that can rotate around with that. Um, and again, the same thing as well with the front three, you know, very, very possibly, you know, Hadji will feature a large part on, on Thursday night. If not, then I would be able to see him against Falkirk. So there is a degree of swapping around with that. I would swap around the goalkeepers as well. None of the positions I've just mentioned or the personnel I've just mentioned give me any any pause for concern. So for me, the big thing is being able to, if, you know, maybe we don't go all gung-ho I get where Ian's at with it and stuff as well. Maybe we do have to have a degree of intensity. But if players need a rest on Sunday following that, then we can afford to give it to them. I mean, it's a weak kind of case in point, but then it was the same thing. We did that with Ryan Jack where, He played a lot of football in international break, came back into the sides on Sunday, didn't look anywhere near out of place, in my opinion, looked like he was totally on it. So there's a point here where I think, as you say, David, this is the beginning of that schedule. So I think that maybe we can do it to snow and then we have to manage our resources accordingly going forward. But I think if we can make the last couple of games in the Europa League pretty much as straightforward as we can, this could be literally the last full 90 minutes we have to play
2: within it. Uh, Before the new year The manager did say that The weekend He was asked if it was A pivotal game He says we want it to be We want it to be The one we look back on And say yeah that was That was where we got Over the line That was where we got Qualified And take the sting Out of the last two matches You know you don't want To be in a position Where you're going into The last game Having to go hell for leather If you can possibly avoid it But it would be A remarkable testament To the team's ability In Europe If it was to clinch Almost clinch I'm not sure how The official thing was At the moment but, But clinch qualification In a group Of that quality with two matches left, it would be absolutely sensational so yep, we're very much looking forward to that. Cami, you'll be here on Friday to discuss that.
0: Yeah absolutely, back with Heart and Hand Extra we will have uh, the review of the Benfica game uh, and and preview um, of our League Cup action as well coming up as well, so uh, really looking forward to hopefully and I'll keep everything crossed as much as I can because I, uh, I'm not confident enough to take things for granted but we be coming back to you to talk to you about uh, uh, three points in the Europa League on Friday.
2: Absolutely. We're all hoping for that. Now, as I say, if you want to hear about the accounts, please don't forget in today's show description, there's a link to show on our Patreon site in which we go into that in depth. And if you like what you hear, why not considering sign up? Where for just one ninety nine per month, you'll get up to five shows every single day on all things Rangers. I'd put our coverage of Rangers up against any of these. We've got reports from Ibrox on match day, interviews with the Uh, the the press cut from the press conferences we've got analysis of the game done separately and we've even got a show where you can contribute uh, your thoughts so there's plenty there for everyone if you go and get involved over at patreon.com forward slash heart and hand right then that'll do us for this Monday my thanks to Ian pleasure mate pleasure my thanks to Cami. thank you both guys Thanks to our executive producers in London, Mike Lee and Paul Miles. I'll be back next Monday. Cam will be with you on Friday. Until then, have a great week and I'm on the TED, take care. Bye bye.